We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He is Robbie Hummel. And man, you can, you continue to grind. You amaze me right now, Rob, because uh, for, what? for all what your laziness, for all your laziness over the offseason, you are, you're, I think you know, I think somebody, maybe Doster's kicked, kicked your ass in gear a little bit here. I don't know. I mean, Doster could really light a fire if I would get paid more. That would just, I mean, I would be doing podcasts left and right if I could get a raise. But, you know, he's hes tight with that checkbook. He is tight with the checkbook. He's got some money coming in from the Almanac. And, again, if you're not paying attention, go get the Almanac. you still got a, a couple more weeks here before the season starts. Uh, so go to my Twitter feed at Goodman Hoops at the field of 68, and uh, you can purchase what is the best way to get geared up um, and, and really get organized before the season and find out all the movement uh, team to team. That's going to be the hardest part is keeping track of where these people go. I mean, it's, it's it is the, that's the, that's the thing that stinks about the portal to me, even though I am all for kids being able to leave, especially if coaches leave yeah. um, or if you're a junior and you've been there for two years and it hasn't worked out, I, I don't necessarily love like leaving at the first sign of, of trouble that we're probably seeing more so now. Um, I think there is some value to sticking it out, but keeping track of guys now and where they go is a challenge. So that's where the almanac is going to be really good for that. Hey, has your number been retired at Purdue? It It's not retired, but it like, uh, they have a banner for anybody that was a first or second team All-American or scored 2,000 points. So, How many guys have the numbers retired at Purdue? Do you know? Probably, like, legitimately two. But Mount, Mountain Big Dog? Mountain Big Dog. I think you'd have to at least call them and ask. I don't know if anybody actually has it retired. They just hang a banner if you're an All-American or you yeah. scored 2,000 points. But I, that's a good question. I, I think if you wanted to wear Rick Mount's number, you'd have to at least call him and get permission. Which who's worn it? Like who? What? What number was it? <laughs> Bobby Riddell wore it. It was ten. Oh come on! And I think like Bobby Riddell wore Rick Mount's number. Well, then his sophomore year he was eleven. <laughs> 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 and I love Bobby. And Bobby could hoop. Bobby for his size. I mean, I I love him to death. He's one of my best friends. He's probably that's funny though. He's probably that's five funny. eleven, maybe yeah. six foot. 
but yeah, nobody nobody really... should ever be allowed to wear Rick Mount's number. No, and I and Big Dog too. Big Dog scored a thousand points in a season. I mean, that's incredible. He it's averaged thirty. It's like not there's what a couple guys that have done that. I averaged thirty a game, but I mean, can you was... get Big Dog on our pod? No. Why not? <laughs> I've only met him. Anything? I've only met him one time. Uh, Come on. Yeah, and it was. I broke my hand against the Atlanta Hawks on Paro Antich's chest, reaching for a rebound at the end of the third quarter, trying to pad my stats. And I just reach in and break my, my left hand. I know my right hand. And he was there because he lives in Atlanta and Glenn Robinson III was on our team. So that was the first time I'd ever met him. And I, I talked to him for maybe a minute and that was it. So we got we, we to work on that. I mean, it, I, don't, I would put that at the lowest possibility of anyone we could get on this podcast. Wow. You're, you're making it a challenge for me now. I, I think I heard him do something, whether it was all the smoke uh, with those yeah. guys. Or, he was on that, I believe. That's the only thing I've ever heard him do. Like, there's no issues between him and Purdue, though, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, him and Coach Payne play together. They're good. Yeah. Um, he's been back to a game or two the, within the last five or ten years because I think his youngest son was playing football at Purdue. Right. Um, but, yeah, I – they're fine. I just think he kind of lives in Atlanta and just does his own thing. All right. Well, a guy who is accessible, who we've got today on the pod, uh, who is terrific and has a great uh, team. I mean, we're we're knocking out some good pods with some of the top coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had Kelvin Sampson uh, the other kind day. kind of refreshing that these are teams that aren't necessarily always the teams that are ranked number one. Love Not it. That, you know, right. you just – you see so much of it's the Dukes, the Carolinas, the Kansases, but it's a little bit different this year. Exactly. And with that, uh, we bring you Creighton head coach, Greg McDermott. Breaking news. The Field of 68 has an online store, and it's your one-stop shop for the latest and greatest merch in college basketball and college football. You can find shirts to support your favorite team, make fun of your rival team, or boast Field of 68 catchphrases like Daddy Brad, Cussing and Discussing, and the Star Heels. Go to www.fieldof68.shop today and enter promo code TOUCHDOWN for 20% off at checkout. All right, now pleased to welcome in none other than Creighton head coach Greg McDermott. And, uh, Mac, the first thing I got to ask you is obviously, you know my relationship with, with, with your kid and, uh, and, and Doug, and you guys took me years ago to the Drover. Um, still one of the best stakes I've ever had, but um, how's your kid doing? How's Doug doing out in San Antonio? Well, first of all, the drover's still alive and well. You'd be happy to know, but uh, you know Doug's doing great. It's 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 a uh, certainly a different role uh, being one of the older guys on the team. I think ten of their twenty guys in camp are twenty years old or below. Um, so you know he's having an opportunity uh, to have a veteran presence on a very young team, um, and he, you know he goes back to you know guys like Joe Kim Noah and and Heinrich and Dunleavy and. Uh, the guys that he played with uh, early in his career that had an impact on him. So, you know, it's uh, obviously they're in rebuilding mode, but, uh, you know, he's still, he's in his ninth year in the NBA and he's pretty appreciative to be in that spot. I, I think it's amazing that he is considered a veteran now. I mean, and we're about the same age. I, it doesn't feel like we're that old, but it, it goes so You're quick in, in basketball years. I mean, it's, I hope Doug's the guy that's the veteran that's handing out a hundred bucks to go get some chapstick like, uh, yeah. like Kevin Martin was for me and keep the change. I'm sure yeah. Doug's doing that too. Yeah. No, you know, he's, he's 30 and it's, it is hard to believe. And, you know, and obviously he went to San Antonio a year ago and, 
and and loves that organization. The culture of that organization is terrific. So you know they've they and you know I'm selfishly for me uh, for him to have the opportunity to play for Coach Pop. Uh, you know, is something that's pretty cool because I can pick Doug's brain on, you know, how, how pop handles certain situations, but he's one of the best of all time. And uh, for Doug to be mentored by him is, is pretty special. Coach, right, most so, importantly, oh, go ahead, Joe. I, I just want to know which one of the two of you knuckleheads has played more rounds of golf this offseason. It's close. Uh, he, he, Doug's played a lot as well. No, I mean, I mean the other guy on this on this podcast, right? <laughs> oh, you're I don't talking mean Doug or you? I well, mean, I mean, throw Doug I mean, in there too. Sure. Yeah, I, I think Robbie just probably got done hitting balls before we uh, before we jumped on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, you know, it, it's and Robbie, I'll tell you, Jeff, it's just for me, it's golf is a release. You know, yes, you, you turn that cell phone off and you kind of unhook from the world for a little bit and. The game is uh, humbling, you know, just about the time you figure it out. You think you have it figured out and you had a few good, sh- good shots and you're back to not being very good again. So it's, uh, uh, it, I really enjoy it. And, you know, it, it, you have to have some athletic ability, uh, Jeff, is what, that's why Rob and I can play and you can't. Yeah, facts. That is Listen, true. no, the reason I don't play much is because unlike you, I can't turn my damn phone off. I should, but it's not relaxing for me. And, if I'm looking. and you suck. Yeah, you shoot that's, that's, 100. If I played if I played as much as the two of you, no. I would be as good as the two of you. No, you wouldn't. No chance. All right, all right, fine, yeah. fair, fair. I'll let you get away with that. All right, start start me out um, about Kalkbrenner and Nemhard. And I know you told me a while ago they were healthy. Are they a hundred percent? Is the rust off? Uh, what do they look like so far in practice? They look good. Uh, you know, we're three days in, but, uh, you know, obviously the Kalkbrenner's injury was not as severe as we were as fearful as we were when it happened. Uh, so, you know, by the middle of middle to end of May, he was back doing some things on the court and really by July 1st, he was full go. Um, so he's added some muscle. He looks good. Uh, you know, defensively he's terrific. And I, and I just think, the confidence that he got from last year is really carried over into this season. And then uh, Nimhart is, uh, you know, that's a pretty significant injury, especially on your shooting wrist. Uh, but, you know, by, by middle of July, end of July, he was back in the court doing some stuff. And now you're just trying to catch up for the mo- from those two or three months you missed uh, with the timing and the conditioning and everything that goes with that. But um, I'm very pleased with where they're both at. And uh, obviously they're, they're very important pieces to what we're trying to do. Coach, I was there in Fort Worth when Ryan got hurt um, against San Diego State. How surprised and also how important was it for you guys to then go toe-to-toe with Kansas without Nemhard and Kalkbrenner? I mean, were you surprised you were able to? And what kind of confidence boost did that give you guys? You know, this team last year, Robbie, it, uh, nothing really surprised me as we moved forward. And and part of it is we we had gone through it during the year. We lost Sharif Mitchell in December, um, uh, you know, at UConn, I thought was really a turning point in our season. Uh, down four or five points, 15 minutes to go. Kalkbrenner blows an ankle and can't play the rest of the game. So we kind of have to go to makeshift lineup with Kalum at the five. We really hadn't practiced it much and found a way to win that game. Um, and then we lost Kaluma for four games in February, one all four. Then we lose Nemhart and Trey steps into that role. So I think because we'd been through it so much where we lost really key components to our team and we had to figure out a way to compete and be successful without those pieces, 
when it happened and as devastating as it was in the NCAA tournament to lose Kalkbrenner, I think our guys like, all right, here we go again. You know, we got to, we got to figure out a way to, you know, somebody else is going to have to step up. We have to figure out a way to hang in this game. And, um, you know, I think the fact that we hadn't played a game with that sort of lineup, you know, Kansas really didn't know what to expect either. Uh, so I think the element of surprise there was probably in our favor, but our guys competed their tails off uh, like they did all year. And, uh, and, you know, I'm really proud. You talk about playing through adversity all the time, but can a team really do it? And this group of guys last year certainly uh, answered the bell every time it happened. Yeah, I mean, Kalkbrenner back, Nemhard back, obviously Kaluma Alexander was really good um, down the stretch. You know, you lost some guys too. I mean, you lost the, the kind of leader of your team, Hawkins, who, you know, to me was just invaluable what he brought. Um, both on and off the court, you bring in a huge transfer, uh, Baylor Shireman. I saw him in the NCAA tournament, kind of fell in love with him for his game, right? His size, his ability to pass the ball, make people better. Uh, he could shoot it. He was considered one of the, the probably the best transfer additions in the portal this year. What role do you foresee him playing on this team? Because he had the ball in his hands a lot at South Dakota State. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, we did lose some important pieces of last year's team you know Alex O'Connell became a ter terrific defensive player and his his ability to run down and challenge shots late and make him difficult was really elite he rebounded his position extremely well and and as you mentioned you know Hawkins uh, did a great job for us and then Keyshawn Fizel was a great leader in his own right as well so we have to figure out how to replace that and I think Baylor can bring some of that uh, because of the success that he's had um, but what's been what's been refreshing with him, Jeff, is, you know, you're bringing him into a team where really four starters return. And when you bring a guy in that has some pretty gaudy numbers and he's pretty highly thought of, um, how's it going to fit? And, and it's fit great because of Baylor's willingness to move the basketball. Yeah. You know, he is a very willing passer and, and as good a shooter as he is and as crafty as he is as a scorer, I think he's, he's equally as good as a passer. And, you know, he doesn't need to dominate the basketball. And um, obviously you got to guard him eight feet behind the line because he, you know, he's, he's got that Mitch Ballack type range uh, behind the line. Uh, so we're going to be able to do some interesting things with him. And, and, you know, people, I think, forget, like he's, he's six, 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 seven. He's got good size. He rebounds his position well. Um, and I think he'll, I think it's a seamless fit into our style of play and our system. Coach, you've had some really good teams at Creighton. The team with Doug certainly comes to mind, the Sweet 16 team two years ago. Do you think this is your best team? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think depth-wise, uh, potentially. Um, you know, the team with Maurice Watson, Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, Justin Patton, like there was a couple draft picks on that team. And yep. Maurice Watson was having, you know, you could argue uh, his year that year before he tore his ACL. Um was maybe playing as well as any point guard in college basketball. So that, that was a really good team. We were 17 or 18 and one and ranked in the top 10 uh, before Maurice went down. Um, but this team has a chance uh, to be at that level. And, and I think part of it is some of our depth, you know, to bring a, you know, Sharif Mitchell, who, you know, we'll see how everything works out if he ends up coming off the bench, but you know, that that's a guy that was playing 20 minutes a game on a 
a Sweet 16 team two years ago and playing well. Um, Francisco Farabello is a guy that probably not enough people are talking about. Uh, you know, he he finished a lot of games at TCU last year uh, as their sixth man and can really shoot the basketball and really understands how to play. So now you have guys, I have two guys that are fourth year players um, that potentially could be coming off the bench for us uh, in that guard court, um, which is which is a plus. And, and, you know, Mike Miller's son, Mason has really made a good jump from last year to this year with the red shirt. And, um, you know, Frederick King, the, the young freshman uh, from the Bahamas has a chance uh, to really bolster that front line as well. So I like the group, um, you know, can we play together uh, the way we are, we're going to need to play and, and will we keep a hold of that defensive mindset that was so important to our success last year? You and I have known each other a long time, long time. Um, I've known Doug a long time. I know your wife. I've met your daughter. Um, I know what you went through last March, right? It was about a year and a half ago, and you were suspended for making a comment that you came forward and said, I screwed up. Uh, I also know Marcus Zagorowski's family well, and, and they, they went to bat for you. Everybody in the team went to bat for you for the most part. Uh, saying this isn't who you were. Um, how hard was that for you? And did you think coming out of that, was there a chance that you thought, hey, you know what? This might be it for me. I might not be able to coach again. This could be the end of it. Well, certainly when you're, uh, you know, because we were, add to it, it's during the pandemic. So we're, everybody's holed up in a hotel room somewhere. So uh, you know, the team were, they were all in a room by themselves. Uh, I was by myself. I wasn't at home with my family because we had, we had separated ourselves, uh, really in the third week in February, as we got closer to the big East tournament NCAA run that we weren't going to take a chance with COVID. So we really were isolated. So there, there's a lot of alone time, obviously, and you, uh, a lot of time to reflect, um, and certainly I'd learned a lot from it. And, you know, I think one of the things that you, that you learned from something like that is, you know, number one, you, uh, you don't have to be intentional to be hurtful. And certainly my intentions weren't to hurt anybody. And, and, uh, uh, but I did, and I had to deal with that with some of the guys on my team, um, that trusted me that, that, uh, that looked at me as a mentor. And I had to, I had to repair those relationships and, and build back that trust. And, and I think I've done that. Um, the other thing is, is when something like that happens, the people in the media have a way of digging into your past the best they can and see if they can try to find a pattern of behavior. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I've tried to live my, right, my life the right way. So uh, they weren't able to find a pattern of behavior when they talked to guys that have played for me at the many schools that I've, that I've coached. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and, and, thankful that the university's stuck behind me and, uh, and, you know, some of my coaches stuck around and we were able to put together this recruiting class of, you know, Nemhard, Alexander, Kaluma, uh, Mason Miller, that, that bunch was during that pandemic during that time. So, um, you know, it's, you're, you become a, uh, a person that's a result of everything that you've been through in your life. And, and that was certainly a very, difficult time for me, but a time of growth as well, as I look back on it. And, uh, and, I, you know, I've tried to help some other people, uh, and some organizations that are, that are maybe wrestling with, uh, 
how to how to best educate their companies and their employees and and you know what i went through and and it was all obviously self-inflicted but you know what did i learn from it and how can i help other people because of a mistake that i've made and i've, I've attempted to do that the best that i can coach you had the unique opportunity to coach your son at the collegiate level which most coaches don't get to do what are the challenges of that did you and doug ever have times where like you wanted to kill each other because <laughs> i know there are times with every college player and their coach where you're like this guy is an asshole yeah <laughs> this guy being an asshole he, he probably had more of those times than i did oh he told me about him hey he told me about him yeah and there's a few times that you know we we went nose to nose and some of them were on national television unfortunately my wife has reminded me on several occasions, but uh, you know, the big thing with him, and I've said this before, Robbie, when he was a freshman, he came to me early in the practice season and said, dad, you, you have to treat me like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I thought about it and I came back to him and I said, I can, I can do that. But when I tell you, you need to block out, you can't look at me like I asked you to take the garbage out and you don't <laughs> want to do it. Like you, you can't give me that son look like dad, get off yeah. my back. And I think it, the challenge was that first year for Doug is like for 18 years, this guy's voice has been my father's voice and now it's my coach's voice mm-hmm. and they, they're two different things. And once he understood that, um, then it, it was awesome. And I, I think uh, most, a lot of scouts told us as they came in as sophomore, junior, senior year to watch, like Mac, if I didn't know you guys were father and son, there's no way by the way you guys interact and practice that I would know that. So that's the way he wanted it. And, you know, it was obviously a blessing for me because uh, being in the profession I was in, I, I didn't get to go to all of his games. I, sure. I didn't get to coach him when he was young because I was recruiting and coaching my, my own teams. So not only to, you know, to be there for that incredible run that he had as a college athlete, but also every practice and, and watching being part of his development uh, was really rewarding for me. And I, I think Doug and I probably both appreciate it the farther you get away from it and you look back on it. Um, it was a pretty special time in our lives. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you this too, having a daughter now that's, that's a, a plane ride away as a freshman in college to have them there, like to have them there every day to be able to see them is, is special. And I'm sure you learned that, like, not just the coaching, but, you know, again, you, I, I guess the only thing I would say to that is, do you, do you feel like, did you ever feel like in a way he should have went away from you and away from Creighton? Um, to maybe be more independent or no? Well, no, because he couldn't defend. So I hid that. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, did. like I, I, I joke with Coach Jake all the time. If he would have went over to play for you at Northern Iowa, you'd have made him play defense and all that stuff. And he, who knows what would have happened? But uh, no, you know, I, I think we're both glad it transpired the way that it did. Um, and you know, the different part is that you know, obviously, if had he gone somewhere else when you're having those tough days, the phone call comes to me. Well, now I'm the coach and to Robbie's point, I'm the one he's mad at. Now, who does he call? And, and, and my wife had to sort through some of that and take some of those calls and, and tell me what I needed to know, but also probably not tell me a lot of things. Um, but you know, it worked out great. And, and, you know, to be, to help him navigate the process of whether to come back for a senior year or enter the draft and just providing him all that information and, and, it really helped me to help the guys that I'm coaching now because I went through it with my own son. Yeah. So you are, uh, you're 57. Uh, a guy named Jay Wright uh, retired a couple months ago at 60. 
uh, how much did it surprise you? And what does it do for the Big East? Because I, I think a lot of people think it it opens it up. And I know the poll hasn't come come out yet, but you're going to be picked number one in, in the Big East in the preseason this year. Yeah, I mean, I, Jay said a couple of things to me during the year. Now that I look back at him, like he was thinking about it then probably, but I did, I kind of just brushed him off. Uh, you know, he was so critical, Jeff, to when we formed this new league, uh, you know, nine years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, uh, you know, he was adamant in those meetings and on the calls, like we have to be united. We can't have a bunch of coaches throwing darts at each other. Like if this league's going to work, everybody's got to put the league first. And, you know, Jay was probably the one that had a program in a place that wouldn't have had to act like that, but he did. And I think it, it allowed us to, to navigate some, some challenging times when the league was beginning. And he really, you know, set the league on course with his leadership for where we are today. Uh, so, you know, that's, that void is going to be difficult to fill because the two old guys now are Cooley and I, and, you know, you <laughs> dumb and dumber there so you know I, I don't I don't know that the league is in great hands but uh you know I you know Kyle's going to do a great job at Villanova uh, you know I he was an assistant there for Jay for a long time and obviously I thought did a really good job at Fordham in the one year he was there um but you know you know Thad Mott is now in the league Sean Miller's in the league um you know the change at at, at Seton Hall is you know he, he did a tremendous job at, at St. Peter's so it's it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great league again. And, uh, you know, but Jay's leadership really set us on a course to have success. And, uh, you know, you I guess we're I, tight, though, as a as a coaching group. I would agree with that. You were the tightest I've ever seen of a league because you never heard a bad word. In fact, I, I thought you were all boys, like all of you. Yeah, everybody got along really well. And we're going to compete against each other. And, you know, you're in recruiting battles against each other on occasion. But. At, at the end of the day, and again, uh, Jay was the one. Like guys, we have to put this league first. If it's going to work, we have to we have to check our egos at the door, and we have to put the league first. And 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 he was right. And it's and I hope we can maintain that in his absence. And uh, uh, because you know we have to sing the praises of this league. It's basketball centric. It makes it fun. Um, and you know, well, there's been a lot of changes in the college athletics landscape the last year or the last six months and and the big east has been pretty stable and and you know that's credit to the leadership of the league and certainly jay's leadership okay i'm gonna ask you a question that and the answer cannot be because the players are good but why are you such a good offensive coach what why do your teams play so free and open and and well on the offensive end of the floor you, you know it, it's uh we, we recruit to it number one uh, you know being able to handle it, pass it, shoot it, and and have an understanding of how to play is really important to us in the recruiting process. And and sometimes you you know you, it's a give and take. You 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 might want to be a little longer, a little bit more athletic, but do we want to sacrifice the skill? And 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 we've we've really stuck to that. And and then I think I think once guys get here, you know, everybody says they want to play fast, Robbie, until. I make them play fast, like playing fast. It's <laughs> yeah. really, it's so they really realize hard. they got to run their ass yeah. off every possession. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do that. And, uh, uh, but I think once guys get here, they enjoy the freedom that the system provides. And if you're going to play fast, you're the hardest part for me. And, and Jeff knew me when I was at Northern Iowa, like <laughs> there we, I didn't think necessarily like our 
overall talent level with some really good players, but were we in the top three or four in the league? Maybe not. So we, we kind of controlled everything. Um, we ran a, you know, 200 set plays and there were counters to everything. And, and um, when I kind of let go of that and started to play a little bit more free and a little faster, the hardest thing for me was when you play that way, you're going to make more mistakes, mm -hmm. but 12 turnovers in a 75 possession game is better than nine turnovers in a 52 possession game. Sure. So uh, I had to understand that if I'm asking these guys to play fast, that they're going to have to take some chances and it's okay to make a mistake. And, you know, I, most kids, if you, you know, if they, if they really think about it, a lot of people think guys want to be able to take the shots they want to take. And there's probably some truth to that, but I think at the end of the day, players want to know that a coach is going to allow them to play through mistakes. And that's what we've tried to do here. Um, you know, and the, there's another possession coming pretty fast. So you can't think about the mistake you just made, just, just move on. And, and, and we have some fun on the practice floor and um, there's a lot of pressure when you're, you have 17,000 people at every game to win. And we try not to bring that pressure into our building. Um, I, I, I try not to coach the joy out of the game. And I think there was probably a point in my career when I was younger uh, that, that I was a stickler for everything and, and guys probably like, I don't want to play for this guy. Like every, everything has to be perfect. Well, everything doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and at the end of the day, guys have to enjoy playing. And I think if there's joy to what they're doing there, I'm probably going to get the best version of them. And, you know, it took me some time as a coach to realize that. And, uh, um, and, and frankly, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the system. It's fun to coach. It's fun to get guys to, you know, to run like that and to, and, and to get spacing. And when you see a guy that's a really good shooter turn down a, a pretty good look to get his teammate a better look, you know, that's gratifying to me. And that part of practice for me is, is very enjoyable and very rewarding. What do you remember about December 2007, Iowa State-Purdue at the Orleans Arena? Maybe other than that was a terrible basketball game that, that we was both a, were involved in. <laughs> that, was, that, was not a good, that was not a good basketball game. Uh, I've tried to forget most of my uh, experience at Iowa State, as as have the fans at Iowa State have tried to forget that four year period. Um, but but as I look back on it, you know, I I, I made some mistakes. I probably uh, you think you're ready uh, for that job, and maybe I wasn't. And uh, and you know, I had some really good players, and I just didn't do a very good job of putting the group together. Um, I but, want to say, Coach Wes Johnson, Craig Brackens, and who was your guard again? Uh, well, we had Mike Taylor for a while. Yeah, uh, you know, we ended up playing a little bit in the NBA. Uh, Deontay Garrett. Uh, yes, such a Wes had, had a cup of coffee in the NBA as well. Um, but we had some, yeah, we had some, we had some good players. We just we couldn't really keep it together. And and again, I think I've I, I grew from that experience and and approached the Creighton job. I think a lot different. Uh, because I kind of got my teeth kicked in there and you know, my, there's not a lot of great memories about the big 12. We had Durant, Beasley, Blake, and Blake. That was my four years. That was, that was really enjoyable. And Man. Kansas won a national championship during that time. So uh, the big 12 was loaded at that time, uh, but it was uh, it was a growing experience, but you're right. That, that Purdue Iowa state game was not, uh, I don't think the, I don't think the ratings were great. No, no, <laughs> we were, we were oozing confidence coming in off of a loss from uh, at home against Wofford. So we were really <laughs> a confident group. What year? Uh, 2007, 2007, December 07. 
I gotta, I gotta look up the box here on that one. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna finish with this. So I think I have you preseason like number three. I think I've, you know, Carolina, Houston, you guys. Um, a lot of people are surprised at that when they see Creighton, you know, top five preseason. Do you think, or maybe why do you think uh, this Creighton team can can finally go to the Final Four? I like the makeup of our group and, and you know, expectations are expectations, whether they're good or bad. Last year we were picked eighth or ninth and you don't pay a lot of attention to that. And this year, everybody thinks we're great and you try not to pay a lot of attention to that. But when there are lofty expectations, you have to make sure you put in the work to back that up. Like as long as we're continuing to grow and we're continuing to get better, that stuff will sort itself out in the end. And this group, uh, has never been afraid of extra work. They're in the gym all the time. They're, they're, they want to watch film. They want to grow. They want to learn. They want to get better. Um, and as long as we maintain that and we can, cause we, we made as much progress from November 9th or 10th when we were down 12 to Arkansas Pine Bluff at halftime in our building. And I'm walking to that locker room thinking, I got to play 30 more of these games. <laughs> what are, how are we going to win with this team? to how we played in March, like the growth was incredible. And if we can even come close to that kind of progress from now until March, then we have a chance, you know, you get in the tournament, you get a decent seed, yep. uh, you get the right matchups, like things can happen and, uh, and you have to stay healthy. And that's kind of been the bugaboo for us here at Creighton. We've, we've lost some really critical players to some of our really good teams at the wrong time of the year. So hopefully we can stay healthy and, uh, we'll have great support here of our fan base and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's, this is going to be an enjoyable group for me to coach because they're about the right stuff. No doubt. By the way, I'm going to send both of you a video. You guys ripping on my athleticism. I had a triple the other night in, in, in softball and it's not old man softball anymore. I'm playing like the team flip. So it's like 23 year olds now. Uh, a triple, legged it out, a stand-up triple. Didn't even have to, to slide. Playing in the 23 F League doesn't mean yeah, yeah, shit yeah, compared yeah. to the 65 yeah, yeah. A League. That doesn't I'm matter. Sure, I'm sure there was a, you know, the, the guy bobbled or got his foot stuck under the fence. He did something. overrun it in right field. I went out. <laughs> the guy broke his leg in right yeah. field and, you know, Over. just couldn't get it back. And yet. you have to remember, what, it doesn't matter about the other players. If you're playing, it's old man softball. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how old your teammates are. Very true. Very I do make it old man softball. No doubt. No doubt. Well, listen, uh, thanks for, uh, for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to seeing you this year. I might see a big East, uh, media day as well. Um, but again, uh, fun, fun team to watch this year. I, I think you're going to enjoy them. And I think we all are too. And like you said, you know, knock on wood, just stay healthy. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Always, always good to catch up. Likewise. Thanks, all right. Coach. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.